Welcome to Career Tools. In today's cast, we describe how to manage your seating on airlines because it really does matter. Here we go. This is one of those casts that I never thought in a million years when we first started talking, <laughs> doing career tools that we would be talking about. But it's an important one, and you've traveled enough that when it comes to seating on airlines, you are the expert, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're not doing this cast just because you and I are over six feet tall and we have a particular interest in it, right? Um, our experience in the last few years reinforces when we've traveled together or separately and watching other people and listening to other people complain about their seats and so on, managing your airline seating arrangements makes a big difference in terms of both comfort and utility for all of our professionals in our careers is, you know, uh, in, in airline travel. It's like everything else we talk about. If the idea of managing your airline seating arrangements <laughs> kind of threw you for a loop, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you yeah. let the airline manage it for you and you get a bad seat, well, uh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry. If you travel on business and yeah, you know what it's like to get a bad seat. This is one of those casts that you we could call it the 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 one-eyed man in the land of the blind because so many people don't know this. Knowing a few things makes you a lot better really really fast than everybody. And if you do what we suggest, the chances are virtually zero in normal travel that you're ever going to have a bad seat again. The, the really cast really has two parts. How to get what seat we want, the getting part, and then how to know what seat we should want based on what seats are good and so on. You mean there's bad seats and good seats, really? <laughs> yes. Okay, so what's the outline of today's cast? Okay, seven seven major points. First of all, we're going to talk about airline seating really does matter, utility, not just comfort-wise. And we're going to share the manager tools rule for airline seating, which is you uh, are responsible for the seat you get. If you're sitting somewhere, you you got that seat on purpose, even if it means neglect. <laughs> we recommend, point three is we recommend you preference, we make your preferences known systemically. Um, number four, request your preferred seat when booking. Seems simple, but some people don't do it. Uh, number five, check and change your seat on the airline's website. A great modern change for most of us. Number six, request your preferred seat when changes occur, which a lot of people miss. And then point seven, which is the, the okay, what seat should I have, is, is what seat should you want? And we have a specific recommendation, and we also have a website to send people to called seatguru.com, S-E-A-T-G-U-R-U.com. Fabulous. One of those little websites that's just a lovely little benefit of having an internet. Yeah. Everybody should be using it, and very few people do. So, Okay, so point one, airline seating matters. I I can't believe you'd you'd say that. I mean, aren't the seats all the same size and width? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're joking, so I'll, I'll joke back. You were flying across the country to conferences from D.C., and you were sitting in coach, and you were complaining about your seat. I'm like, dude, get exit row. You can, right? Or get upgraded. You can. And and people, you weren't alone. I mean, many people say, ah, God, I got another bad seat. It's like, well, actually, you requested that seat. No, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. By not saying anything, you requested it. If you've ever had a terrible seat, you know what we mean. 
And if you haven't had a bad seat, you haven't flown, or you've just been way, way lucky. And look, folks, airline seating is only going to get more important. Cell phone service is coming to flights soon. It's already on some. Wi-Fi is coming to flights as well, so you'll have internet connectivity. If you think you'll be able to be one of those folks who tells their boss, I don't work on planes, which, by the way, the majority of people behave as if that's true now, when in fact it should not be, we think those days are going away. They just are. Uh, planes will just be more chances to get work done. And I'll just be direct on that. Uh, uh, frankly, though, we, we, we don't think that as much gets done on planes as people say gets done now. We see an awful lot of people pleasure reading. We see solitaire on company laptops. That one just stuns me every time. And if you're doing those things on a flight and you're saying you're busy, well, we can argue with you, but we won't. We'll just say the days of you getting away with it are numbered. And so your seat, if it's not important to you now, it ought to be, but it will become even more important to you once the plane is simply another place where you can work in the same way that years ago, your home bedroom didn't used to be a place where you could work, but now it is. And that's why people have Blackberries as their alarms and iPhones as their alarms so they can have their iPhone and Blackberry by their bed at night. Yeah. It's hard to work when you're sitting in the back of the plane and you, because you didn't manage your seating. And then you're, you're yeah. sitting where all the families sit, where there's crying babies, you know, all those people who yeah. don't travel very often, right? So they're not going to be sensitive to your work, right? Yeah. yeah. So they're loud. They're they're talking loudly. Um, you have roommates with too much baggage, right? So you can't get your bag in the flipping overhead. You're in the window seat. You'd rather be in the aisle seat, but you're in the window seat. So you can't, you don't dare have something to drink because you don't want to have to climb o- over somebody when you make that inevitable trip to the, to the, uh, the, the restroom. Yeah. Cause, cause the person's sleeping. And so you're just not in a situation where you can get anything done. Yeah. And <laughs> the problem is increasingly so is you have to work to get your stuff done. Yeah. Maybe it's preparing a document. Maybe, maybe you're using a laptop tray of the seat in front of you and it's inaccessible because the seat in front of you is fully reclined and it's shaking because the occupant is moving constantly due to discomfort in their crummy seat in the row in front of you. Maybe it's doing email because now you can get it on some flights and soon you'll get it on all flights. But your laptop is not really a laptop. It's more of a desktop replacement and it's huge and you literally can't open it enough unless it's in your lap and hot on your legs. And you only have one hour of battery life anyway, right? So your Wi-Fi, if you you had it's going to drain completely. Yeah, even if you have a new laptop and you've got three or four hours, you know, Mossberg's has got four hours, you turn on that Wi-Fi. You listen to music, you know, that's not on a separate iPod and you start working and you don't, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's daytime. And so the, the, the cabin lights are up and so it needs to be bright so you can see it. And if you only knew that there are actually seats that have power outlets, right? Yeah. But yours doesn't. Somebody else does. Yours doesn't. And only because you didn't check and manage your seat. Or you want to talk on your cell, right? And you can't because you're in the wrong seat. Or you want to work on something, but you need to look at several documents and you just can't spread them out enough in order to see them and, and compare them and validate what's on several different versions. And, and then something else, too. You're crammed in there next to somebody who you don't know who that person is. Maybe they look like a business person, but now you've got documents in front of you that have sales numbers on them or they have strategy or the company logo is right next to layoff announcement instructions. Really, what it boils down to is all the situations we're describing, you're either partially, significantly or completely ineffective all because you are in the wrong seat. Yeah. All because you didn't pay attention to the manager tools rule for airline seating. You 
and only you are responsible for where you sit. Yeah. I mean, some of us know this, but still, folks, we're surprised every year by the number of managers and professionals who don't know it. Airlines assign seats. Yes, they do. Okay. To those of us who don't request them. Okay. The airlines are happy to assign you seat based on their own criteria unless you tell them what you want. If we don't tell them what we want, the primary factor that determines our seat is how many other people take the time to tell the airline what they want in their seat. Look, think of it this way. You're not buying the whole airplane. You're buying just a seat. If you think about it, think about the places we go where we buy a seat and seats are simply open to everyone first come, first served. Other than movies and maybe Southwest Airlines, most places we go when we buy a seat for a group function, it's a specific seat. If you go online to buy a concert ticket or a sports ticket, you get to pick. You can't not pick, right? The airlines, we can, though. That's the, that's the problem. People don't think about it that way. The fact is, we can pick a seat on airlines as well, if only we know how. Right. You know, frankly, it's easier for them. If we don't pick a seat, it's great. They get to use their rules. Yeah. But, but why do that? All seats are not alike. Yeah. But if we don't do anything about it, we're essentially behaving as if they all are alike. And so, therefore, they're going to give us the cheap seat, right? I mean, that's essentially what they do. If you don't request a sheet, they, seat, they give you the cheap seat, which is the one that is least likely to be filled with somebody who's got a request. And believe me, they know which seats are the most requested. They have maps that show them exactly what seats are requested. Yep. So, no more complaining about our seat anymore. It's ours because yeah. we're responsible for it, not the airline. So, what's the first step in ensuring that we get the right seat. Look, you got to know, you got to make your preferences for seating known to the system. Okay. There are several ways to tell the airline or the people who speak to the airlines on our behalf, what seat we want. Yet too many of us just don't do it. Uh, you know, we can request the same thing every time. Sure we will. Uh, but every once in a while we're going to forget or we're not even going to be aware travel arrangements are being made on our behalf. If we, if the approach we take is, I know what my seat is, and when I make reservations, I tell people what I want, that's fine. But it doesn't work if somebody else is making seat assignments for you, or they're making reservations and you don't know it yet, or it's a last-minute thing. You know, if the boss's admin is doing it for you, uh, she may not know or he may not know uh, what your preferences are. So there are three places, actually more than three, but we've grouped into three uh, areas. Corporate travel, HR, and admin, which is one place. We kind of lump those together. A private travel agent, if you have one, and we love ours and recommend them, uh, and recommend her, actually. And then, uh, and also the airlines themselves. You have to let all three parts of the system know. So let's talk. start with corporate travel or HR or your admin. Sometimes organizations do some or all of the travel planning, travel scheduling, travel buying internally. If you're at a large organization, obviously there's a travel department or there's a required travel agent that your company uses. There's a standard process. Sometimes HR does some of it. Sometimes the boss's assistant at smaller companies is HR, which is funny, but whatever. Sometimes our admin does it for us. And, you know, if we've attained the level in an organization where we have an admin and we travel a lot, it's not unusual for admins to do this sort of stuff. Regardless of who it is internally, in the majority of cases, there is a form or a process by which we make our choice, our preferences uh, regarding airline and seats known. And it's crazy not to avail ourselves of this process. If we're going to have to travel and the firm knows that traveling in our preferred airline and in our preferred seat is better for us, 
And really, why would they ask us for our preferences otherwise? And they do ask. You just may not be aware that there is such a form. Why wouldn't we let them know what our preferences are? You know, I, I joke about this with people. People say, oh, gosh, you got, you know, boy, it must be great to have all those freaking flyer miles. Well, yeah, in, in a way, the answer is yes. But, you know, on the other hand, I could have ended up with a whole bunch of airline miles at a bunch of different places, right? Because I wanted direct flights all the time or, you know, I don't really care about the airline. Well, now I'm I'm as elite as they come on American Airlines and it makes an enormous difference because I made choices. I made my preference known to my previous employers and now it's my preference and it's our firm. So yeah, we want to let people know because benefits accrue to us enormously based on what airline we choose and what seat. This this cast, of course, is just about seating. But of course, if you can do it, we should. And just because there's not you're not aware of a form doesn't mean that there isn't one. It may be online. It may be printed. It may be a notepad that the admin takes down with your information. But whatever, whatever there, there is some way to capture that information. So let your admin know what you want. Once you do that, when you don't get what you want, it's not a question of acting like a spoiled diva and say, do you know what seat you put me in? Rather, it's a question of her doing her job when it comes to your required business travel. If you state what your preferences are and you tell her your job is to make sure I get on the right airline and the right seat and so on, if it doesn't happen, then she's not doing her job. It's feedback. It's it's work performance feedback. It's not you complaining about a bad seat on an airplane. And, you know, look, I, I know some of you listeners right now are saying, oh, I would never give feedback, negative feedback, if I got on the flights, but I didn't like the seat I, I got, right? And frankly, though, we would differ with you on that. If we normally get exit row aisle seating, which is a very nice seat, but suddenly we end up in 29F, Fox, and our admin have the travel, and we have already delegated responsibility for corp for my travel, for our travel to our admin, like it or not, she's not doing her job on this particular task. And feedback is not negative. It's just say, hey, Jane, just can I give you some feedback? When I end up, when you make my travel arrangements and you don't verify seat or you don't check it and try to change it, I end up in 29F. It means I can't get work done on my flight across the country. Uh, and I don't sleep well. And so I'm grouchy the next morning. And you're less effective and the company suffers. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not about your comfort. It's about your effectiveness while you're on the plane. Yeah. Can you get work done? Can you be well rested for your meeting the next the next day? Yeah, perfectly acceptable to give people feedback about that. Yeah. We also recommend going to corporate travel to the internet site, finding the form that allows us to make our make known our travel preferences. And, and by the way, regarding this, it, there's also something on there for hotel and car rentals and so on. And, and But that's for a different cast. This is just about airline seating, just all one cast, but airline seating. Fill this form out and update it annually. That's all you need to do. What about if you're using a, a private travel agent? Any, any guidance there? Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and our private travel agent, uh, Gail Weiss of Contemporary Travel, is is the finest travel agent I've ever worked with. And, oh, gosh, it's been – I've known Gail 15 years, something like that. And she has pulled my fat out of the fire too many times. Uh, so if you want a specific recommendation for travel agent, there's no need to go any further than Gail and Judy, who works with her fabulous, fabulous people. But regardless, your private travel agent works the same way as corporate travel does. If you have your own firm or your firm allows you to make your own travel arrangements, um, they have a preference form. You know, ask, the, ask your agent for their preferences form and get it filled out and updated annually. 
Now, an interesting note about private travel agents. Sometimes your travel agent requests a seat, but they don't actually get it. I mean, you're, in fact, the system is such that the preference is communicated with your reservation. But that isn't, but it's only a preference. Depending upon your status and the ticket you buy, they may not get the seat in your preference file. And again, your preference file is not a specific seat number and row. It is generally window aisle and sometimes includes which part of the plane you're in. Frankly, interestingly enough, I don't think you can actually request the preferences forms don't allow you to request a middle seat. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's interesting. That and look, another sort of by the way relative to this is when you do this, they're going to ask you for your frequent flyer numbers. And again, that's another show, but please do get signed up for a frequent flyer number for major airlines and start accruing miles because it benefits you. So let your agent know. Yeah. And let the airlines know as well. In addition to letting all the folks know who may action our travel request about your preferences, we've got to let each airline know, too, because they're the only ones that actually give us the seat we want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they've made it really easy these days. Each airline has, for those travels who have frequent flyer numbers, hint, 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 a place to enter our preferences. Class of service, nonstop, or connections, communication preferences. They can notify you of late flights via IM or text or right. email, light delay and cancellation notifications. I mean, there's a ton of other preferences that you can specify in addition to your seat preference. But if yep. you don't tell them about your seat preference, there are times when they won't know. For example, the boss's admin loses the paper form or, you know, she's booking 10 people into a conference and can't handle all of them. So right. if you don't let them know, they're going to assume the airline is that they're going to assume that we don't care. And passengers who don't care really, and you, you said this earlier, they're perceived as saying, hey, just put me in the seat that is least likely to be requested or wanted by anyone <laughs> so that yeah. anyone who does request a seat can have a better chance of getting what they want. Let the airline know your preferences. And yeah. it's easy. Because again, if you if we tell our admin, but she forgets or he forgets or the boss's admin forgets, when they book you on American, your seat preference, if they book your frequent flyer number in there, your seat preference will affect your seating. Exactly. Okay. Point four, request your preferred seat when booking. Now, is that is that different than just giving your preferences? Yeah. After we've let everybody know what our preferences are so they can honor them when they work to book our flights – Right? You just leave it up to the system? No, you don't. You, you do not leave it up to that, that process. Every time we book a flight ourselves, we ask for our preferences. Look, you're, you're going to do some of this yourself. Okay. You're going to get tr stranded or you're going to have to make changes or you're, you're, it's going to be seven o'clock in the evening and nobody's going to be at your travel agent or you don't want to talk to the corporate representative of your travel agent or corporate travel is not available or your admin's not available, whatever, or your admin's too busy and you don't want to interrupt their dinner. That happens to me all the time. Okay. And so we're going to do it. And frankly, the times you most need a lot of help is when you, when they're least available, when it's 10 o'clock at night and you're, you're on the last flight of the day, dumb, dumb, but you're on the last flight of the day and it's canceled. And you need help. And so you're going to have to talk to the airlines directly. And if you do, when you do, you have to tell them what you want. And in fact, when you're booking a flight directly with an airline, you can request specific seats when you're doing it. And look, don't assume that it was done on our on your behalf and then be surprised when you don't get what you, you expect. All those preference files may or may not be referred to. You know, 
okay, is it, do you want American or Delta? Do you want nonstop or direct? Do you want coach or business? Do you want window or aisle? Do you want three side or two side? Uh, do you want late afternoon? Do you want last flight of the day? Obviously not. Do you want first flight out in the winter? No, you don't because they haven't pushed the snow off of the apron and on the, uh, the runway. Uh, do you want to go through DFW on a late summer afternoon? No, you don't. Do you want to go through Chicago in January? Probably not. All of these things make a difference. Although, again, that we're just teasing you for future casts about this stuff. Some of you are road warriors and you know all this stuff. We'd be happy to hear from more road warrior tips. Mike and I are both road warriors, but this is something you just, you've got to communicate it when it comes to making your own travel, separate from allowing the preferences file that exists to take care of it for you. Yeah. And then you're not done. You've got to check and change your seat on the airline website. Yeah. Look, that's one of the great things about uh, the internet is, uh, um, as we've paid attention over the last few years about the facts of travel as we've been reading preparing our podcasts on it, for some reason, even among younger folks for whom the internet is a given, I know it makes Mike and I seem old that we were born, went to college before the internet even existed, although we're not bad at utilizing it, apparently, based on the podcast, or at least Mike's good at utilizing it. But some people don't know that no matter who actions our reservations for us, we have the ability to go look at it in advance and make many changes, including seat changes, on the internet, on the web, on the company's website. And there are a bunch of changes you can make. We won't go into all of them, but, but and, and changing flights sometimes cost money. Um, but seat changes are just about as simple as dirt. So look, usually when you're given an itinerary, when you get back something from corporate travel or your admin or whatever, there is a seat assignment along with the itinerary. Okay. Yeah, and then and, and usually they have directions on how to go check it on the website. And you've yeah, got to go exactly. check it online. You can't just sit back and, sit and and take it for a given that you got what you wanted. And don't care, call the airline and, and don't call your agent, internal or external. Uh, just right. go to the website. If you call, unless you have significant status, you're going to have to wait perhaps a long time, a very long time perhaps. Yeah. And you can, you, know, you can affect this a little bit by checking it, you know, odd hours of the day. But right. why do that? Online, it's easy and it's fast. Right. Yeah. Depending upon your airline, you'll enter your name and your flight and or record locator. By the way, RL, record locator, very important in the airline business. It's a six-letter unique identifier for your flight. And then once you get that, then you can get into your record and it will show you your flight and your seat assignment. And look, it's not just a letter and a number for a seat assignment. On most airlines, you're going to be presented with a graphic of the equipment, with a map of all the seats on board, showing you where you're sitting and where there are available seats. And, and by the way, I, I'm sorry, um, old habit, but uh, equipment is airline industry and frequent flyer code for airplane. So uh, when we say equipment, we mean airplane, literally the physical thing of the airplane, the thing that actually flies. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole separate cast here on airline industry jargon vocabulary. But if you ever hear somebody ask a gate agent while you're delayed, do we have equipment? And you raise your eyebrows, go, why would he ask him that? What that frequent flyer means is, is there an airplane here? And frankly, if the answer is no, that frequent flyer is either probably making a phone call or walking away from the gate to someplace else who can actually, you know, that piece of data, that datum can affect the decision to rebook depending upon other factors too, obviously. Uh, so basically, you look at the map, you look at where your seat is, and if you have a middle seat, you click on the seat you want, a different one, and you're done. There is uh, – usually it's just one click, and then you say, I'm done, and it's reserved. Uh, but 
if for some reason an exit row seat is available to you, usually nowadays those are exit row seats which have exit extra legroom in order to allow egress from a plane in the event it lands in the Hudson River. Those seats are prized and they're usually reserved for frequent flyers with some status on board most major airlines all over the world. But sometimes they are made available and it's a lightly booked flight and you can get an exit row seat and there are benefits to them. Yeah. And for those of you who are not frequent flyer uh, participants, program participants, this is one of those things that, that you may not be aware of, is that if you are, you're going to have choices of better seats. It's not only about getting airline miles, it's about having better preferences when it comes to selecting your seat. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and, and um, if you do get an exit row seat, you definitely want one. And if you do, you get more leg room. And it also says, hey, by the way, you need to verify that you're willing and able. So that's an additional step you have to go through if you get one of those coveted coach seats. Good. Now, a thing that a lot of folks don't think about is when when there are delays or cancellations or something happens to the equipment, the plane or the flight, it's a good idea to verify that your seat stays the same because it often doesn't. And so you have to request right. your preferred seat, particularly when changes occur. Yeah. And, you know, look, flying home early because you finished with a client or with a customer early is great. But don't end up in seat 29F on that earlier flight just because you made your change and paid the fee, assuming that your seat on the same type of uh, equipment would be the same. It's not. It's a different flight. There are different seats available. And if you don't ask, remember, you're going to get the seat the airline wants you to have. Don't chance it. Ask for what you want, even in the event of changes. Okay. So now help me here. What if I don't travel enough? I have been doing this for 30 years and I don't know what seat. I should want? What seat should I want? <laughs> yeah. Okay. First of all, let's start with this. Seat me- uh, preference is ultimately a personal preference. Some of us like the window. Some of us like the aisle. That's probably how a lot of people think about it, but it's a little bit more complex than just window or aisle, right? I mean, right. There, yeah, there's yeah. more choices yeah. than that. Yeah. Let me, let me give you my example since I travel surely as much as anybody who's, who's listening. Maybe there's some that are more, God bless you. I wish I had less. I like seat 6B, 6 Bravo. In first class on American, because I, I book coach fares and I am a very frequent flyer on American. They like me a great deal. And um, so I get upgraded. I like 6B because it's an aisle. Now, be clear, folks, uh, and a lot of planes, B is not an aisle. But on that type of plane that American usually flies, 6B is an aisle seat. And I usually travel with a coat. And I hang it behind my seat. 6B is the last row in first class for most domestic seats, to mo- most domestic flights on domestic equipment in, in the U.S., on American. I get to hang it right behind my seat on the bulkhead between first and coach where there are hangers. If you sit in the back, you don't sacrifice but five seconds at getting off the flight, which is something that's valuable in terms of if you have a tight connection. But frankly, most people in first class deplane very quickly uh, because they're probably like me and they're busy. If you're in the last row, you always have under seat storage in front of you. So you, only, I, I put my roller board up above me and I put my briefcase at my feet. Um, whereas if you sit in the bulkhead on the front row, you don't, right? And if you're sitting in the back row, they don't bring your coat to you early during descent when you're still working because you tell them, look, I'll get it when I land. And frankly, now they know, they know me, said Mr. Horseman, I'll leave your coat there. Um, But finally, if the attendants forget to bring you your, to get coats in first class and you're sitting in the front row and the coats aren't brought to you, you aren't, you are going to, it's just like if your, your luggage is in the back of the airline, you're going to have to swim upstream and it is no fun to do that. But if you're in seat, if you're in row six and first, it's fine. 
I sit in an aisle seat because I want to be able to use the bathroom when I want and I want to be able to get out when I want. And look, if you sit as often as I do in seat 6B, as happened recently, uh, one day you get a signed cocktail napkin from a couple of flight attendants that lists 6B's seat, 6B's drink as bloody for Bloody Mary, uh, before you even order and they suggest you frame it as a souvenir, which you then do. And it now hangs in my office. And this is from someone who has paid attention to seats and knows that sitting in that seat for various reasons, some of which I probably people just shook their head and go, he thinks about all that stuff. Yes, I do. And I am very efficient and effective on planes. Thanks to that. Okay. But not everybody has, has a million miles or so. So what about those folks who, who don't have that, who are not necessarily in first class? What recommendations do we have for them in terms of seat selection? Yeah. And and look, I didn't want to bring up the first class thing. I wanted to say, these are the kind of things I thought about when I chose the seat I want, and I go online and click on that seat. So that that was my point with that. There are all kinds of things to think about. Your preference does matter, right? We said some like the window, some like to watch the world go by. That's fine. And some like, yeah, we do have recommendations, okay? Our primary recommendation, overly simplified, because we don't want to get into every single possible detail and and and. Um, upset people who really want to own a seat is we recommend an aisle seat on the three side in the forward part of the ca- cabin. Okay. So lacking any other powerful reason for any other preference you have, again, an aisle seat on the side of the plane, which has three seats in the front third of coach. And our reasons are pretty simple. First, an aisle seat. We can deplane slightly faster in the event of tight connections. Okay. On longer flights, we can move around more easily. And and there are articles in every airline magazine now about something called DVT, deep vein thrombosis. Uh, in fact, a uh, an American reporter died during the, the uh, Iraq war because he was sitting so long in an armored vehicle. Uh, and, and there are cases of people having heart attacks on airplanes. Rare, rare. Don't get me wrong, folks. It's rare because they don't because they sit too long and they're they have low blood pressure and they don't get. Uh, the blood pumped back because it tends to pool thanks to gravity. So moving around is actually good on long flights, particularly overseas. We can get to the bathroom at our convenience. We can get slightly more accessibility to our underseat stowed briefcases. If you're in the middle seat and you have folks on both sides of you, or if you're in the window seat with somebody uh, to your left or right in the middle seat, it's surprising. I don't know if you've, some people have experienced this. It can be pretty hard to get your legs out of the way, reach down, grab your briefcase or purse. It's impossible if your seat tray is down, if the tray is down and your laptop is on it. Uh, but if you're in the if you're on the aisle, you can lean out into the aisle or even stand up to get at your stuff underneath the seat in front of you. We also want the, the three side, right? A very common piece of equipment today in the, in the world fleet is the MD-80. It's a McDonnell Douglas airplane. And it usually has two seats on the left side of the plane. And that's looking forward on the left side. They're on the right as you come on board. And three seats on the right side, okay? Which is left, your left as you're walking to the back of the plane. Many of the Boeing jets, the 7 Series, tend to have a 3-3 setup, so that's good as well. Either side is the 3-side. But the MD-80 is one of the ones that's out there. And if you don't know what type of aircraft you're getting and you're not familiar with the picture of the seating, you can ask a gate agent or somebody at the airline, I want the 3-side. And they'll understand that you don't care which side of the plane you're on if it's a 3-3 airplane. But if it's a 2-3 airplane, they'll know that you want to be in seat D, which is the letter associated with an aisle seat in most major airlines on a 2-3 arrangement. 
why do I want the three side? I mean, yeah. what's what's because nobody wants the middle seat. Nobody wants that middle seat. The middle seat on the three side in any row except the exit row is the last to go on most flights. I even actually had a screen capture once on my phone from a few years ago of an American flight that was so it was booked and it showed every aisle seat and window seat taken and every middle seat. The only seats that were available were middle seats. Okay. Every other seat was filled. So clearly people don't like middle seats. And if you don't request, that's what you're going to get is a middle seat. Gotcha. So, so the point is that if, if you request the, the aisle seat on the three side, there's a better chance that the seat next to you will be empty. Yeah. And that's the whole point. Yeah. And you can spread out, right? You can set your briefcase down there while you're getting, you're sitting down. You can, you can uh, put, put papers over there. You can rearrange your briefcase if you're flying home, whatever the case might be. Now, we recommend forward seats for two reasons, though really the first of our reasons is, is more important. If you have a tight connection, being in the front third of the cabin saves you two, three, four, five minutes deplaning on average and decreases the chances that you're inordinately delayed when you're getting off the plane. If you're at the back, there's always a chance that someone at the back, a, a non-frequent flyer, is going to take forever. And we are always respectful of people using wheelchairs on board planes. But if you're way in the back, it's possible that somebody on board a wheelchair will have to be helped row by row to the front of the plane. In the back of the plane, it's not a purely linear timeline from the front of the plane to the back of the plane in terms of deplaning. It's more logarithmic. The back of the plane takes much, much longer, quantums right. longer than the front of the plane to deplane. Right. And, and to state the obvious here, the reason this is so important is today, particularly with airlines the way they're they're booked today, they're, they're often running late. And if you're running late, you don't want to be the last person off the plane. You want to be off as soon as you can. And part of traveling is trying to mitigate against the unknown. Right. And this is one of those things you can do to give yourself a fight. It takes a little chance. bit of management. Yeah, it takes a little bit of management and it's worth it. Most major U.S. and European airlines hold some of the, the seats in the front of the plane out of the anybody can pick them category. And it's for preferred travelers or higher levels of their freedom flyer or their loyalty programs. United has a thing called Coach Plus, which is somewhat larger legroom. And it's in the front of the plane because the people who can, who want those are frequent flyers and they know that frequent flyers tend to want to be in the front half or front third of the cabin. Uh, there are, I've seen, I remember looking at it. I, I mean, I, I would get exit row if I'm in coach or of course I'd be in first class in most cases. But if, when I look at the back of the plane, if I log in as my Myself, it shows those aisle seats in the first, you know, in row six and row in row eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 as being available to me. If I log out and just log in as no one, right, without a frequent flyer number to pick a seat, uh, those seats are shown as unavailable to me because so they're trying to keep them. But it, but if those seats are available, and if even if you don't have status, we recommend you pick one, an aisle seat on the three side, well forward. There is one other reason, and, and I've not experienced it, but I have talked to people who have experienced it. Uh, some people do say that the tail of some of the bigger or longer equipment, an MD-80 is really not one, um, but some of the bigger planes, the tail, sitting in the tail, makes them slightly seasick, believe it or not. Uh, it's actually reasonable. It, it, I mean, it is. It, they're not making it up. The tail on the back of these planes is long enough, and it's not structurally perfect. And so it sways a little bit. It actually moves back and forth slightly, much like skyscrapers do in the wind. Well, it's farther away from the center of gravity, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So if you're prone to a really delicate stomach or and or seasickness, try to get a forward seat. 
Uh, one, one of the things that, I, that uh, people don't know is that there are planes that have twin engines in the back. If you get stuffed way back there, there are a few window seats that are so close to the engines that if the windows were open, you could reach around and touch the inside of the cowling on the jet engine. And folks, if you can't figure that out, those seats are loud. And so if you, now I don't terribly mind noise on a plane. I, I, I don't even care for the noise canceling headsets. I know Mike, you like them, but I don't I do. really need them. I'm used to seeing, hearing the hum. And so it doesn't really bother me. And usually I don't want to hear anybody else. And I've got my iPod earphones in, so I, it doesn't bother me, but way back there, it's loud enough. It irritated even me. Good. Now you talked earlier about seatguru.com, which I did not know about until you told me about. And that's an incredible resource. And most folks think of a plane as a plane, right? But but each equipment yeah. is different. It has different seating arrangements. The the aisle seat is yep. is at a different seat. It's not always row 21, for example. It, it differs right. based upon the type of equipment. And so where do you get all that information? Seatguru.com. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, which seat is best in coast or business class or Chicago O'Hare to London versus JFK to London. Those are different, usually different equipment. And so they're going to have different best seats. And for those of you who have um, premium content, th there's an example. Uh, we encourage you to print out the show notes because it'll give you a small sample of, of what Seat Guru does in terms of coloring the seats green and yellow and red and showing you where all the power points are, power ports are in coach on every airline and so on. It lists every major international airline and for each type of equipment gives you a detailed seat map for every configuration. It shows you standard seats, seats that are both uniquely good, maybe due to extra legroom, for instance, um, or maybe there's a seat nearby that's not there. And uh, seats that are to be avoided as well, you know, seats in the back of an MD-80 due to the noise, for instance, or seats that have uh, limited recline. You know, some people say, oh, either exit row you know, if there are two exit rows on a plane, and on American and MD-80, there are, I think it's 20 and 21. But if you sit in, row 20, sit in row 20, the seats don't recline, just like the seats in row 19 don't recline, because seats aren't supposed to recline into the exit row egress where you leave the plane. So it's normal to be sitting in, if you're in row 19, and you're sitting behind the first, in front of the first exit row, which is row 20, of course your seat won't recline. So then you think, well, I'm a frequent flyer, I get to go on, on the exit row, so I'm going to choose seat 20, or I'm going to choose row 20. Well, that's not as good as 21 because seat 20 won't recline. All the seats in row 20 won't recline because they would recline into row 21, which is also an exit row. Right. And it's silly to take a late flight and be tired and look forward to catching some sleep on your way back because you have an important meeting the next day just to get on the plane and get in seat 20 and realize that the seat doesn't recline back. It's yeah, silly. And it's unnecessary. Yeah. So there are three types of, there are actually four colors, white, which means a normal seat, green, which means potential, you know, uniquely good uh, for various reasons. And then uh, yellow, which they recommend or have caution, something associated with them that are uh, cautionary. And then red saying, hey, don't sit here. And in fact, I know on the MD-81, the ones that are red are the ones way in the back of coach right next to those, those engines. And, and it, interestingly enough, my favorite seat, 6B in American, is shown as yellow because A and B, they tend to be slightly smaller, but they're still much bigger than coach, than the ones on the other side of the plane. And they also stick out into the row a little bit, and so people bump the seat, but I really don't care. On the other hand, the great thing is, is people will request it less likely, so I get it more often. So Seat Guru also shows the power outlets. It shows exit row numbers, any, anything you would never know unless you'd flown it first or you went to Seat Guru. So please use SeatGuru.com. We, folks, in case you wonder, we're not, we don't have any advertising. We, we're not connected to Seat Guru in any way. We don't accept ads. We don't do it that way. And that's not the way we run our business. Mike and I both use it. So that's why you should. <laughs> we use it. And frankly, we swear by it. Good. And that's it, right? 
Yeah. So quickly, quick, quick wrap up. You know, it does matter. You are responsible for where you sit, the manager tools who rule for airline seating. We should make our preferences known systemically to all the people that might action, including the airlines, and the airlines do have preference forms. And we should then still request our preferred seat when we're booking, and we should check and change that seat on the website. Because, And by the way, we should have mentioned that sometimes later – uh, as, as seats become available because there aren't as many frequent flyers, some of the better seats open up. And so you could check the night before you fly home and you can get a better seat than the one you have. And then uh, um, request your preferred seat when changes occur. And then lastly, it, all things being equal, choose an aisle seat in the forward third of the coach cabin on the three side. And if uh, when all else fails, go to seatguru.com and find out the ideal seat on the type of equipment and the type of in, uh, airline you're flying on. That's it. Yeah, and if you all are looking forward after hearing this, looking forward to your next airline travel, then we've done our job. Yeah, and let us know your stories as well about things that you do that work for either other casts or for this one, uh, or whether or not you did it and it worked. We'd love to hear from you. All right, man. We'll see you next week. Thanks, partner. So long. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And we'll see you all again next week. In the meantime, join us on the discussion forums, www.managertools.com forward slash forums. If you have a question about your career, or if you're in a conundrum and you don't know what to do, join us on the discussion forums. You'll find a lot of folks there willing to reach out and lend a helping hand. We'll see you there. So long. We'll see you next week.